Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car. My partner Paul Clay will be calling up any, any minute now. Uh, God bless you. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, we uh, hope you had a happy, holy uh, Pentecost weekend. The birthday of the Catholic Church. The church was born with power by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. And let's remember that every single one of us is baptized. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Every one of us has been confirmed by the laying on of hands. That Holy Spirit, we've received that uh, those baptismal graces have been strengthened by the laying on of hands of the confirmation which makes us soldiers of Christ. So let's get busy and let's evangelize. Let's win souls. Let's reconcile the world to Jesus and let's live and die in the state of grace. Just want to mention that uh, the month of June is the month of the, dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus. We also have three really special feast days in this month where we celebrate also the Feast of Corpus Christi. And uh, we also... Uh, we also celebrated the, the, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And finally, we're also going to celebrate the Immaculate Heart of Mary this month. So it's a very powerful month with some beautiful, powerful Catholic devotions. I also want to mention to you that June 11th, uh, we're going to have a Catholic Men's Fellowship out here in Mesa, Arizona at the Vertuccio Farms. It's, uh, it's going to be from uh, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. We're going to have a big bonfire. I'm going to be giving a, a presentation on how the devil influences us through politics, education, morality, and social action. Bring your rosary. Bring a good attitude. We're going to have a manly discussion after that. And we're going to talk about action items, how we can fight back as Catholic men. I want to talk today about, uh, it's going to be a three-part Monday podcast on the history of the church's infiltration, there's a great article by Brian Miles. It's called Revolution in Tiara and Cope. Revolution in Tiara and Cope. And it really lays everything else succinctly. And uh, we'll do this for the next three Mondays so you can see how the infiltration occurred into the Catholic Church before Vatican II and during Vatican II as well. Paul, are you there? Okay, no problem. Got it. So, in order that the Christian people may, may more certainly derive an abundance of graces from the sacred liturgy, this is, uh, this is from Sacrosanctum Concilium, paragraph 21, 36, and 50. So this is the document of Vatican II on the Mass. It says, In order that the Christian people may more certainly derive an abundance of graces from the sacred liturgy, Holy Mother Church desires to undertake with great care a general restoration of the liturgy itself. Hmm, that's kind of, what? We want to restore the liturgy? Okay, let's continue. For the liturgy is made up of immutable elements divinely instituted and of elements subject to change. Hmm, those five words trouble me. Elements subject to change. Okay, okay, I get it. These not only may, but ought to be changed with the passage of time. If they've suffered from the intrusion of anything out of harmony, with the, in, with the inner nature of the liturgy, or have become unsuited to it. The rites should be distinguished by a noble simplicity. They should be short, clear, unencumbered, by useless repetitions, 
That whole sentence there right there was an attack on the Latin Mass, by the way. <laughs> when you just read it, a complete attack on the Latin Mass, that entire sentence. Sacrosanctum Concilium continues. In this restoration, both texts and rites should be drawn up so that they express more clearly the holy things which they signify. The rite of the Mass, this is the Latin Mass, by the way, is to be revised in such a way that the intrinsic nature and purpose of its several parts as also the connection between them may be more clearly manifested and that devout and active participation by the faithful may be more easily achieved. Hmm. Active participation, really it, what it means according to many of the popes in the past, it means Gregorian chant. That's what it means. While a measured degree of self-criticism can be a fruitful undertaking, the passage that you just heard right now, which comes to us from the Second Vatican's councils, Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, it is difficult to ignore the tacit indictment of the very tradition the Council was presumably called to uphold. Whatever merits the Council Fathers were willing to concede in the liturgy of their forebears, their stated goals nevertheless betray a marked, a marked conviction that the, the prevailing rite of the Mass, the Latin Mass, had become somehow unfit to provide for the needs of the faithful in the 1960s. From even a cursory reading of the text of Sacrosanctum Concilium, one can readily discern that what we know now as a Tridentine or traditional Latin Mass was evidently thought to suffer from a number of rather considerable defects according to Sacrosanctum Concilium. Here are the four defects of the Latin Mass according to Vatican II. Number one, its facility for the transmission of graces was noted to be less certain than it might have been. Hmm. Less graces in the Latin Mass? What? Okay, number two. Its so-called mutable elements were said to have suffered from intrusions, useless encumbering repetitions, unsuited and out of harmony with the interior nature of the Mass. What they're saying is they make the sign of the cross too much and bow too much at, at the Latin Mass. That's what they're saying. Number three. Its expression of holy things and the mysteries they signified were found to be less clear than they might have been, close quote. I actually think they're more clear, that actually elements of mystery is, uh, makes the Mass much more sacred. Uh, number four, in, in, in the eyes of the, of the person that's in the pew, like myself. Number four, its manifestation of the intrinsic nature and purpose of the Mass was thought to be more obscure than it might have been. And five, its fostering of the devout and active participation of the faithful was considered to be less effective than it might have been. Well, here's what's funny. Here's my comment. What's funny is that the Latin Mass parishes seem to draw more younger Catholics with big families than Novus Ordo parishes do. Latin Mass parishes are bursting at the seams. So what do, what do they mean by it's less... What do Vatican II mean by it's less effective? The article says, <clears throat> In other words, the Mass itself, in both its efficacy and expressions was perceived to be somehow inhibiting the very ends it was meant to achieve. It was, it was, it's, if such an appraisal of the church's supreme act of worship sounds a bit strange and self-loathing, what remains stranger is still is the fact that the text provides us with little insights into the grounds for these condemnations. Yeah, so Sacrosanctum Concilium it criticizes the Latin Mass, but it doesn't give you any reasons or it doesn't give you any teeth, just a criticism, but it doesn't provide any evidence for that. Instead, it simply asserts that the Mass needed to change in order to fulfill a threefold purpose, namely, one, to adapt more suitably to the needs of our times. Yeah, the 1960s, right? 
Two, to foster whatever can promote union among all, all who believe in Christ. Yeah, to make it look more Protestant so we get more Protestants in the church. That failed, by the way. And three, and to criticism whatever can, can help to call the whole of mankind into the household of God. Well, the Latin Mass was doing a pretty good job, by the way, of calling uh, the whole of mankind into the Catholic Church. And all of a sudden we put on the brakes. What are we to make of this? Even if we give these quintessentially ambiguous statements... The most generous reading possible, that is, that the principal aim is to subdue modernity en route to converting both Protestants and unbelievers, they nevertheless continue to beg a crucial question. That is, why was the mass of the ages, which had been subdued every epoch and converted every culture it had encountered, suddenly found wanting when measured against the challenges of the modern world? Hey, great question that the moderns have, have, answered, have not answered since 1965, since the close of the Council. The article says, What was so unique about the conflicts of the mid-century of the church, of the, of the mid-20th century that the church, just as the fighting was growing fiercest, felt compelled to lay down her most faithful and effective arms and instead take up some ill-conceived attempt at battlefield diplomacy? I see Paul there. In the face of how utterly, completely, categorically, and catastrophically wrong the Council Fathers have proven in their optimism about the renewal that would follow the conciliar changes, it is no sufficient accounting to simply cite the naivete of certain misguided prelates. Were there some who fit that, that profile? Absolutely. Were there others too weak to resist the changes? Without question. And were there others still who carried the council far beyond its mandate? It's undeniable. By the way, those are the Marxists and modernists. But to stop there simply strains credulity beyond breaking. In short, no institution of divine pedigree and with such ancient and enduring tradition errs that badly, that quickly, through, more, through mere frailty and false optimism. Would that, would other, would that it would, uh, were otherwise... But when the warnings, which predicted the consequences in prophetic detail, were announced well in advance, there remains an ominous and unpleasant possibility that we cannot overlook. Paul, you know where we're at? You see it? Yes. Go ahead. Imagine for a moment that for some within the church, the original impulse to alter the Mass arose, not from a recognition of its latent deficiencies, but rather from a sober assessment of its strengths. Mm. Mm -hmm. That for some, all the flowery and inflated talk about liturgical aggiornamento. Yeah. yeah, which means uh, open the windows. Like, yeah. Renewal, renewal, open yeah. the windows. Yeah. Was only so much window dressing for some darker revolutionary design. Suppose that the church's sleepless adversary having bitterly recollected some countless centuries of defeat, began to perceive that, however shrewd his plans may be, that they would only ever end in failure so long as the church's most potent source of power remained uncorrupted and intact. Stop right there. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. We're talking about the infiltration before Vatican II and at Vatican II and why they went after the Mass. It was the Masons and the Marxists. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 91 two-man car Monday. This is Team Jesus. We are part of the CIA Catholics in action. We will never quit, never surrender. We will never turn back. We keep our eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and, f- and perfecter of our faith. And remember, as the psalmist says, do not put your trust in princes. Put your trust in the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and I would also say the PS, and put your trust in Our Lady, the yes. King and the Queen. Paul, we're talking about the infiltration of the Catholic Church as it uh, as it happened through the Marxists and, and Masons before Vatican II. But specifically at the council, when they were doing the, the document on the Mass Sacrosanctum Concilium, and we were sharing the article, can you continue where you left off? Yes. Thus, in addition to redeploying his hordes of fracturing Protestants, fanatical Muslims, sexual libertines, and sneering atheists, suppose the enemy sought, above all else, to compromise the liturgical bulwark that had never previously failed to repel these same heretical assaults. In other words, suppose the devil understood, apparently far better than many of those called to oppose him, that so long as the mass of the ages remained in place, and thus the church's indefectible lifeline Mm -hmm. to the Most High, whatever attacks his uh, his forces might muster her standard would nevertheless remain high. Conversely, then, suppose he saw that if he could somehow manage to change that standard Mm. and substitute her flag for a foreign banner, he might at last succeed in bringing the bride of Christ to heal. Catholic scholar John Zimmerich offers this perspective from history. In every revolution, the first thing you change is the flag. Once that has been replaced in the public mind, all bets are off which is why commies and Nazis filled every available space with their satanic banners. Imagine for a moment that a newly elected president replaced the stars and stripes with the Confederate battle flag, or that he he replaced our 50 stars with the flag of Mexico. Let's say he got away with doing this and wasn't carried off by the Secret Service to a uh, to an undisclosed location, <laughs> that, that'll never happen, right? <laughs> yeah, not at what, what would that signify for his administration? If people accepted the change, what else would they likely would would they likely be accept? With retrospect to the church, in the last forty five years, if if the last forty five years are any indication to say nothing of recent popal scandals. Uh, papal scandals, it would appear that the answer is just about anything and everything. And and why not? If we can effectively change our flag from this to this and then proceed to permit all manner of nonsense without censure, is there really any mystery regarding whether the devil has accomplished his coup? But lest I be accused of peddling speculation devoid of any substance, What the remainder of this series of essays will attempt to prove is that there are a number of compelling reasons to conclude that for some within the church, the conciliar changes to her liturgy did indeed have more to do with revolution than renewal. 
Mm. He mm. writes, I, al I also assert that it is possible to launch such a critical analysis from a place of orthodoxy. Faithful sons of the church, in full communion with Rome as I am, need not fear to tread where we are going. Instead, we must consider objectively the manifold evidence for the following conclusions. Number one, that there is in fact an organized cabal expressly acknowledged by Popes Gregory the, the, the 16th, Pope Pius IX, and Pope Leo XIII, whose stated purpose was and is to infiltrate and destroy the Roman Catholic Church. Number two, that a member of this cabal, a priest who was identified as such, and excommunicated accordingly, went on to predict some 90 years in advance that an ecumenical council would subvert the liturgical and sacramental life of the church. Number three, that the exact nature, character of this cabal and a description of his 20th century assault on the sacraments was identified by name in an approved apparition of Our Lady over a century before it ever came into being. Number four, that the timing of the conciliar changes in the church's liturgy conforms credibly with Pope Leo XIII's alleged vision of Satan's 20th century ascendancy in the world. Number five, that the historical events which led to these changes effectively invited the destructive influence of the infiltrators. Paul, proceed. To this end, with respect to our first two points, it must be noted that these ideas were first developed at length in a short book by John Venary. Very respected Catholic lawyer. Along these same lines, in his biography of Pius IX, the vice president of the Italian National Research Council, Roberto De Matte, respected pro scholar, provides evidence of Gregory the 16th's rising fears regarding the existence of a secret revolutionary network arrayed against and within the church. See, Jess, this isn't conspiracy uh, theory stuff. These are facts in history. And that, uh, you know, we have to acknowledge these things took place. Yeah. And uh, uh, there are those that would like to say, oh, this is just a bunch of conspiracy. No, it's not. This is, this is, these are facts in history that took place. Yep. On May, on May, on 20 May, 1846, sensing that death was approaching and filled with foreboding, Pope Gregory, Pope Gregory XVI summoned the French historian Jacques Cretenau, Jolie, uh, uh, to, to the palace. And uh, Jolie was already known for his histories of the resistance in the Vendée to the French Revolution and of the Jesuits. He the was a Pope, good guy. He was a good guy. He was a good guy, and the Pope yeah. called for him on his deathbed. If that's not, you know, in law enforcement, Jess, when somebody gives a dying declaration, we give it much more credence, right? And you can take in that court to of law. Court. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, so here's a man of God, a Pope, who's the the vicar of Christ, and on his deathbed, he calls for this gentleman, and he says, um, uh, "The Pope." Who in, the, who in the 15 years of his difficult reign had shown himself to be an implacable enemy of liberalism and of the sex wanted to confide in the French historian as his last testament. 
the task of writing uh, the task of writing a history <clears throat> of secret societies and their consequences. For this purpose, the Pope gave him a series of exceptional documents, wow. including the instructions of the correspondences from the Alta Vendita whose networks consist, uh, constituted the most significant penetration of the forces of the revolution in Europe. Go ahead, Jess. Foremost among these exceptional documents was a text known as the Permanent Instruction on the Alta Vendita. I read that about 25 years ago. I reread it again. Yep. Which Creighton Jolie later incorporated, this good guy, this good prelate, a good historian, excuse me, at the further direction of Pius IX into his 1859 work entitled... The Church in the Presence of the Revolution. From there, the, the instruction subsequently appeared in an 1885 book by Monsignor George F. Dillon, and beginning on page 65, resoundingly endorses as follows in a preface penned by Pope Leo XIII the following quote, Beloved Son, health and apostolic benediction, the presentation which you have recently made to us is your proof of your fidelity. You desired, as is evidenced by your writings, to describe chiefly those things which in the last century, and in your own, have been done by the perverse combinations of men whom a common hatred of virtue and truth binds together in an impious league against God and His Christ. Talking about the Freemasons. On which account the very gravity itself of your subject tacitly exhorts us that whenever any time should be given to us from our cares, that time we should willingly devote to the reading of your volume, for the noble zeal which you aroused, which aroused you to write of the atrocious war by which the religion of Christ is assailed, by the way, by the Freemasons, gives us reasons to hope that in the discharge of the ministry of the word, you will assiduously labor to cause the, deep, the faithful deeply to abhor those criminal societies condemned by us. Those criminal societies are the Freemasons, by the way. And, and by our predecessors, and understanding their most mischievous evil nature, not permit themselves to be ensnared by their fraudulent arts. Go ahead, Paul. Jess, if, if you didn't believe that we were church militant, I don't know what's going to convince you of that. Exactly. Because this is exactly a, a military war. strike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a military strike. And this and, and this is the, the back and forth of this war being played out right right before our eyes. And it was being played out in history here. Um, thus, with a threefold papal approbation, the instruction is not a text that can be dismissively co-signed to the realm of conspiracy theory. To the contrary, it is a document that raised the hackles of men not only charged with defending the faith, but also wise enough to understand when her enemies were on the march. Hmm. Concerning the identity of these enemies, Monsignor Dillon explains that they were an elite sect of Italian Freemasonry, which constituted the supreme government of all the secret societies of the world, known as the Alta Vendita. Its members comprised an organization with aspirations of worldwide domination. Doctrinally committed to both naturalism and materialism, the Alta Vendita understood explicitly that their advance could only proceed at the expense of their global ideological counterpart, namely hmm, the institution of the Roman Catholic Church. To this end, the instruction as first intercepted by Gregory XVI unequivoc unequivocally 
sets forth the marching orders of the Alta Vendita. Uh, go ahead, Jess. Our final end is that of Voltaire and the French Revolution, the destruction forever of Catholicism and even of the Christian idea. We're talking about the infiltration of the Catholic Church by the Freemasons. This is an, this is an academic piece uh, written by Brian Miles. It's called Revolution and Tiara. This will be a three-part Monday series. Uh, we got uh, another segment where we want to share. Then Paul and myself, we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to be sharing. We're going to be making our comments on uh, on the compelling arguments that have been brought upon by Brian Miles. Uh, don't uh, switch that dial. You're listening to Jesus 911. We'll be right back. Oh, we're, okay, so we're still on, right, Rich? We are still on. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Continue talking about the Freemasonic assault in the Catholic Church. Piecemeal. Inch by inch. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, we're explaining to the attack uh, against the Catholic Church by the Freemasons, specifically the attack on the liturgy. This was planned for hundreds of years. This is a worldwide attack. Yes. They and they attacked the heart of the Catholic Church, which is the liturgy. The article says, having thus established its reason for being, the instruction of the Alta Vendita quickly moves from broad strokes to detailed strategy, recognizing that Catholicism has has historically seen the most implacable, the most terrible adversaries, and often had the malignant pleasure of throwing holy water on the tombs of the most enraged. The instruction of the Alta Vendita wisely discourages any overt assault on the Catholic faith. Moreover, even as it acknowledges with envy the unparalleled influence of the papacy, it nevertheless concedes the futility of trying to bring the Roman pontiff formally into its ranks. Instead, the instruction of, to, the, to the Alta Vendita endeavors to undermine both the church and her papacy. Notice, undermine. Mm -hmm. By means of patient infiltration and long-suffering interior compromise intent on corrupting the youth in particular, the Alta Vendita envisioned a day when the church, having become so imbued with the precepts of Freemasonry, will quite unconsciously find herself led by a pope who espouses secular humanism as if it were sacred tradition. <clears throat> by the way, I, I just wanted to make a comment. This kind of describes the, the, the Pope Francis's papacy. The article continues, the authors of the instruction describe their ambitions thusly. The Pope, whoever he may be, he will, come, he will come, never come to the secret societies. It is for the secret societies to come to the church. Hmm. Is that why we see George uh, uh, Soros and Klaus Schwab's and uh, Bill Gates and all their underlings right now? They have a seat in the Vatican. They have a seat at the table. They're conversing with the Pope. On, a, on international matters. 
It says front seat. <laughs> front seat. Yep. The work we have undertaken is not the work of a day, nor of a month, nor of a year. It may last many years, a century perhaps, but in our ranks, the soldier dies and the fight continues. That's Freemasonry. That's their. That's their. That's their basically their their goal. Now then, in order to be secured to us, now now then, in order to secure to us a pope, in the manner required, it is necessary to fashion for that pope a generation worthy of the reign of which we dream. Leave on one side old age and middle life. Go to the youth, and if possible, even to the infancy. Never speak in the in the in their presence a word of impiety or impurity. Never forget these words of the poet, for they will preserve you from the licenses which it is absolutely essential to guard against for the good of the cause. In order to reap profit at the home of each family, in order to give yourself the light of the of the, the asylum at the domestic hearth, you ought to present yourself with all the appearances of a man grave and moral. Once your reputation is established in the colleges and in the seminaries, once you shall have the, captivated the, the confidence of professors and students, act so that those who are engaged in the ecclesiastic state should love to seek your conversation. Then little by little, you will bring your disciples to the degree of, of, of cooking desired. When upon all the points of ecclesiastical state at once, this daily work shall have spread our ideas as light. Then you will appreciate the wisdom of the council in which we take the initiative. That reputation will open the way for our doctrines to pass to the bosom of the young clergy. That means the doctrines of the Freemasons. Jess, this is definitely the mind of Satan here. Go ahead, pick it up, Paul. <clears throat> okay. And go even to the depths of the, of the convents. In a few years, the young clergy will have by force of events invaded all the functions. They will govern, administer, and judge. They will form the council of the sovereign. They will be called upon to choose the pontiff who will reign. And that pontiff, like the greater part of his contemporaries, will be necessarily embowed with the humanitarian principles which we are about to put into circulation. Let the clergy march under your banner in the belief always that they march under the banner of the apostolic keys. You wish to cause the last vestige of tyranny, <clears throat> the last vestige of tyranny and of oppression to disappear. Lay your nets like Simon Barjona. Lay them in the depths of the sacristies, seminaries, and convents rather than in the depth of the sea. You will bring yourselves as friends around the apostolic chair. You will have fished up a revolution in Tierra and Cope, marching with cross and banner, a revolution which needs only to be spurred on a little to put the four corners of the world on fire. Let each act of your life tend then to discover the philosopher's stone, the alchemist's of the Middle Ages lost their time and the gold of their dupes in the quest of, of, the, of this dream. That of the secret societies will be accomplished. This dream, that of the secret societies will be accomplished for the most simple of reasons, because it is based on the passions of man. Mm. Let us not be discouraged then by a check, a reverse, or a defeat. Let us prepare our arms in the silence of our lodges 
dress our batteries, flatter all our passions, most evil and most generous, and and all lead us to think that our plans will succeed one day above even our most improbable calculations. The author Brian Miles writes, no, this is, this is not an excerpt from the screw tape letters, though it may well have been served as, as Lewis's source material. Yeah, because it's demonic. This whole thing is demonic from the, the yes. Freemasonic plan. Unfortunately, this is the actual voice of the enemy that we're sharing with you. And as yep. much as we might wish to dismiss it, it all is mere fairy tale and fiction. There remains not only that nagging complication of three papal endorsements, but also the manifestly obvious fact that the church and the world have have seemingly lived this instruction to the letter. Mm. From the top to bottom, the aims of humanism, which come from Freemasonry, have supplanted the church's missionary enterprise, a fact which brings into sharp relief why the magisterium of today sounds like a consumptive kitten when read alongside the lion she once was. Mm. Those who have ears, let them hear. With that said... The careful reader, not only not entirely bewitched by the preceding machinations, may wonder why this this essay, which attempts to identify the traditional Latin mass as the target of a diabolical plot, would quote from the text, however nefarious, which says nothing whatsoever about the church's liturgy. Simply put, one can hardly imagine such a sea change in Catholic teaching without a concomitant revolution in Catholic praxis. It's certainly no great mystery among the enemies of the church, that the two go hand in hand. Yes. To this end, while the instruction to the, of the Alta Vendita does not explicitly finger the liturgy and its designs, those who carried it out, those who carried out its orders, certainly did. And by the way, the, on next Monday, we'll go through part two and the following part three. But uh, yeah, we'll explore the, the, the liturgical facets in the next two Mondays of this agenda more deeply, along with Our Lady's warning and Pope Leo's vision uh, that then that just such an infiltration would threaten the church, and in fact, it did happen, Paul. Yes, Thomas, Paul. Yeah, just listen, Catholics, listen up. The enemy is not only at the gate, but he is in our midst. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Lord warned us: beware of wolves and sheep's clothing. Okay, uh, this isn't. This should not scandalize us, but this should. Give us resolve, Jess, more resolve to 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 take up arms in this fight. And we know what our arms are. They're yes. the rosary. They're, you know, uh, prayer, uh, Jess. Fasting, uh, penance, yep. Yeah, They're spiritual yeah, weapons. Is, yes, yes. To tear we down the to, strongholds of Satan. Yes, we need to engage. This reminds me, Jess, of the election. How, you know, uh, we woke up one day and all of a sudden... Joe Biden is president. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, could this be really happening? Uh, the jobs, you know, are, have disappeared. Oh, Inflation has gone sky high. The guess is, 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 is over the top. And, and that's the reality we find ourselves in. It. And, 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 and all the while, you know, you had a few patriots who were saying, look, uh, something happened that was not right. Uh, back, you know, during the election, in the middle of the night, this thing was stolen. And, and and the majority of the people are saying, oh, you guys are just conspiracy theorists. There's nothing to see, nothing, nothing here. But then, you know, as we 
uh, slowly piece back things and, and like we're doing now, like this writer has right. done, and he's put the pieces together of the puzzle to show that indeed these things have taken place. Indeed, they have been confirmed by no less than three popes, Our Lady, Our mm. Lord. Uh, mm. These things are a fact, and we should wake up. If ever you, uh, uh, you know, needed to pay attention to what's going on in the world today, please pay attention to this. Paul, and I'll tell you why these, uh, the modernists and the Masons are so afraid of the Latin Mass, because realistically, everywhere where the Latin Mass is being celebrated and being offered, there's an explosive growth in, in Catholics coming into the church in those parishes, especially the youth and young couples with a lot of kids. Uh, the yes. traditional, the, the the seminaries with traditional orders are exploding. They're overflowing, and again, the majority of the of the of these Latin Mass parishes and Novus Ordo parishes that celebrate the Latin Mass, they're standing room only. And yeah. when you do when you do a comparison of, of you know uh, uh, with people that go to the Latin Mass versus those that go to the Novus Ordo, you'll find that that the people that go to the Latin Mass generally follow church teaching on divorce, remarriage, yes. deception, abortion, yes. homosexual so, marriage. They follow it more closely than their Novus Ordo counterpart. Jess, so what you're saying here is the quality of the Catholic going, you know, to the, to the Latin Mass is, you know, as far as his preparedness to do battle with the enemy, he is much more suited and prepared, yeah. uh, uh, by virtue of the fact of the, the pure worship. Amen. All right, Paul, you're going to do pure commentary on this. Uh, we're talking about a well-written article by Brian Miles. I commend him. The yes. infiltration of the Catholic Church by the Freemasons. Uh, it'll be a, This is part one. We'll do part two and part three in the next following Mondays. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Continuing on uh, commenting on the article that was uh, written by Brian Miles, uh, what an amazing article that just lays out uh, uh, the plan of Satan and the plan that he has for our church. And we are witnessing today with the things that we're seeing, we're seeing these plans play, played out uh, in history, in real time, right now. Paul, a couple of comments I want to make regarding this article. It's called Revolution in Tiara and Cope. You can get it from our, the, our webpage of vmpr.org or jesseromero.com if you want to read this three-part article. It's amazing. Revolution in Tiara and Cope, A History of Church Infiltration. Here's a couple of comments that I'll make. Uh, the, the document Sacrosanctum Concilium, which you can see already is taking jabs at the Latin Mass, that document was written in part or approved entirely by Archbishop Bunini. He was a Freemason. He was the head of the Commission on the Liturgy. Another point I'll make is, again, I said that one of the things that's funny is there was a criticism of the Latin Mass in, 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 uh, in, in the Sacrosanctum Concilium where it says its fostering of the devout and active participation of the faithful was considered to be less effective than it might have been. What's funny to me is that the Latin Mass parishes that I've seen draw more younger Catholics than Novus Ordo parishes do. And so how could they be, 
How could that mass be less effective when those parishes are bursting at the seams? Another point I'll make is is this. Uh, the, the criticisms of the Latin Mass that are reflected in the document of Sacrosanctum Concilium put out by the Council Fathers and the head of the commission on the Mass was uh, An- Father Annabal Bunini. Okay? What does his name mean? Annabal, Anna in Hebrew means the favored or lover of. Baal is the Canaanite demon god. So the word Annabal means the favor, the favorite of Baal, or the lover of Baal, is that a coincidence? Baal was that 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 uh, bull or that ram demon that was a cruel and sensuous, uh, revolting false god whose worship always involved sexual degradation and orgies and lewdness. That was his name, lover of Baal, lover of the devil. Another thing, Paul, that uh, I want to mention is that Vatican II was commenced it was convened commenced and convened at the time of the sexual revolution and uh, without a doubt the hippie and drug culture the the uh, the woodstock culture the vietnam war all of these things had an effect on the council fathers and instead of redoubling our efforts and continue to pray the message of the ages throughout the world which was bringing in people to sunday left and right filling up parishes all over the united states Mm-hmm. I mean, the Latin Mass was a worship that attracted three out of four American Catholics to to church every Sunday. The Novus Ordo Mass right now, it gets one out of every 10 American Catholics, 1.3 American Catholics go to Mass every Sunday under the Novus Ordo Mass. Under the Latin Mass, before 1965, three out of four Americans went to Mass every Sunday. Paul? Yeah, and Jess, we already know that if you, you know, they, they do, uh, you know, different Pew research uh, uh, things, and and what they say is that look, so many Catholics today don't even believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, and these are novice ordo attendees, day in and day out that attend Mass, and they uh, literally have no clue about when it comes to mortal sin and they will go up and they will receive communion without even batting an eye. I've even, I hate to say it just, but I've even seen uh, homosexual couples, uh, obviously couples in church uh, getting in the communion line. And uh, you know, now, am I now, 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 now uh, again, am I uh, at, with them, I mean, are, are, is it possible they could be abstaining from, you know, committing a mortal sin? Well, the Bible tells us to avoid all appearances of evil. And so when you look like a duck and you walk like a duck and you act like a duck, it doesn't take a stretch of the imagination to connect those dots and say, you must be a duck. Wow. Paul, I'm going to show you, I'm going to share with you one of the painful and the obvious fruits, bitter fruits of Vatican II, as it relates to things that affect you and I. Want to see what's mm-hmm. an effect of the Vatican II Catholic? Joe Biden, yep. Nancy oh. Pelosi, oh. John Kerry, yes. Anthony Fauci. Yes. Do I need, do I need to go on? John these Roberts. Are, jo, jo, yeah, these are people, Paul, that grew up under Vatican II, were catechesis and doctrine basically that that took a back seat. That was and now, uh, you know, we, we became more of a 
of a uh, sentimental and how do you feel and this hyper ecumenical church where everybody's welcome, all are welcome and everybody's going to heaven. The, the leaders that we see right now in politics and in the medical community are products of the faulty post-Vatican II modernist education, yes. which is shallow on catechesis and high on what's your opinion, what feels good to you. Just like this synod on synodality. The, yes. the Pope wants to know everybody's opinion. Okay? Yeah. I want to hear from you. Listening sessions. So you're going to have not, er, not, not everybody's opinion, Jess. He doesn't no, want if conservative you, Catholic Exactly. Opinion. If yeah. you have traditional Everybody, yeah, traditional Orthodox leanings, shut your mouth and sit there. We don't want to hear from you. Yes, they Jess. Want, and and let, the, the, you know, you might say, well, Paul Clay, you don't seem that bright. And guess what? I'm not. Uh, you might say, and, and Jess, yeah, he might seem a little brighter than Paul Clay, but in reality, you guys were both just two ex-cops, you know. Why should we listen to you? But let me remind you of 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, because God says, instead, uh, okay, I'll go, with, but God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose that, that which was weak in the world to shame the the strong. You see, uh, we need to consider, you know, listen, the, the, the apostles were mere fishermen standing, standing against the elite. And, you know, then the elite, you know, they, they, they reasoned in their mind, why should we listen to them? They're just uneducated men. But you see, that's what God does, Jess. He takes that which is not in order to nullify the things that are. And, and so, you know what? I love the one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that God identifies with the lowly. And so for all us lowly or, you know, in political terms, I think it was us deplorables, right? Hey, right, God yeah. is comfortable with us and God has pitched his tent. He has tabernacled among us, among his people. So as long as we understand and stay committed to the truth of the Catholic Church, the, the truth that has been handed down through the centuries, that has been encapsulated in the traditional Latin Mass. And by the way, Jess, I'm not saying, and I don't think you're saying no, no, that, right. uh, that if you go to a, a Novus Ordo Mass, no. that somehow... I, you know, I go to both. Enemy, I go to both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all we're saying is, is that one environment is one that fosters... Uh, uh, you know, a healthy environment, both for the family, both uh, to prepare us for battle. And the other one is more prone to give us casualties of war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like, yeah. I like to use those, those military type. Uh, I love scenarios. it. I love it. Yes. Catholics. Hey, what's important. We got to know who Jesus is and we've got to surrender our lives to him. We've got to know our Catholic faith. You can't live your faith if you don't know it. And you can't share your faith with others if you don't make it your own first. We also have to live our faith. Our Catholic faith is a public thing. It's not meant to be left behind when you, when you leave your house. Wear your faith in public and finally spread your Catholic faith. Jesus Christ wants us to bring the whole world into captivity to the truth. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the Catholic Church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Catholics, remember what the first Pope said in Acts 2.40. He says, he says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. There is yes. one vax that we will be pushing in this program. It's called the blood of Jesus. That's the only vax Amen. you need. And the only virus that we're going to warn you against is the virus of sin. Okay? Yes. Paul, take it away. 
Yes, and yes, and I just want to remind everybody, do not listen to the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy that will tell you, who are you? You're nobody. The voice of the enemy that will, will remind you of all your failings, that will remind you of, of uh, you know, the fact that you may have tension in your marriage. Do not listen to that voice. Exactly. Uh, or that your that your kids may be, you know, you know, they have difficulties. The enemy wants you to stay on the sideline and to be defeated. But guess what? God has enlisted you in this battle, and he says that he is with us, that he will be our strength, that he provides everything we need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I say, let's fight the fight. Let's run the race, people. Amen. Hey, remember the battle cry of the warriors back in the Middle Ages against the Muslims, 800 years of wars. They would say, Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands as they entered into battle. Let that be our battle cry. Let those words be burned into our heart. The acclamation that Christ is king throughout the whole world. Pull no punches, no retreat, no surrender. Let's tell the world Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands, and Christ is burned in my heart. Catholics, Amen, brother. pray hope and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and God hears our prayers. All we're doing here, we're just trying to put the spotlight of truth upon this yes. culture of death. Yes. And yes. remember, Jesus 911, call upon the name of Jesus throughout the day. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, today and, forever. and forever. Yes, Jess. And remember the words of the psalmist, Jess. Take courage in this. I will not be afraid, though 10,000 people mm. set themselves against me round about. You know why, Jess? Because even one with God is a majority. Okay, we are more than conquerors through Christ. More than conquerors. God has given us everything we need to go out and to uh, uh, fight this battle and to bring uh, the enemies of Christ to their knees. Exactly, and that will happen, and we will all see that at the general judgment. We'll see the total victory of Christ. That's right. Over yeah, over all the sons of Satan. And you know how I know, Jess, that God has given us everything we need? Because yesterday we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Right? And, yeah. and at Pentecost, we know that God poured out the Holy Spirit that with power. Amen. You know what? The Holy Spirit power, it makes 10,000 nuclear power plants look like a drip of water from a faucet, broken faucet. That's a wrap. Jesus 911, two man car. Up next, Gary Machuda. Stick around. You don't want to miss the big guy, Gary. High level apologetics coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for us, two lovers of Christ, we are out. E O W, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith.